Good evening. What's happening, you guys? My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and we are glad that you're here with us tonight. Thank you for those of you who are patient for us to set up some more chairs. It's good to have y'all out here this evening. Like Jeannie said, you braved the afternoon monsoon, and you made it here. Our church actually sprung a leak this morning. It was an awesome moment. If you could have been here at 10 o'clock, like, there was this hissing noise over here, and I didn't know quite what it was. And we look, and there's just water shooting up from the ground. I don't, that's how hard it was raining. Water was just shooting up. So we took care of that. We've tended to that. And let's, you know, I thought we were on, like, the Titanic or something. I was going to put my finger there. So uh, we made it through the storm, and we're here tonight. And as Jeannie mentioned, we've been looking over the last couple weeks, this entire month of May, of how is it that we grow? How do we grow? Because we talked about all the way back in the first weekend that all of us, every one of us, at some level wants to improve, right? We want to be better. If that weren't so, there would be no self-improvement section at Barnes & Noble, right? If that weren't so, Oprah wouldn't have a show anymore. Wait a second. All right, so, so we all know that we want to improve, we want to change, and we can even look at our lives. And while we may not be able to see it all, we'd go, you know what? Yeah, gosh, I could stand to grow here. I could stand to grow here. The problem is that many of us have become grown adults without ever knowing how to grow as adults. And it's this thing that God has actually created you to do uh, and, and everything else around us, everything God puts his hand to, everything God creates, he creates to grow, everything. And so what we've said in response to that is, okay then, how do we partner with God in that? So the first week, we opened up God's word and we looked at John 15 and we studied this. And you can listen to all these on our podcast or go back and watch the videos. We looked at John 15. We explored this whole idea of what does it mean to be connected to the branch of Jesus and to be taken care of by God, who is this gardener who takes care of us and plants us into the soil of our life. The second week of, of May, we looked at this idea of how God uses people to grow us. And Jeannie taught us about how there are people that God uses that grow us. And there are also people, though, in our lives that hinder our growth, right? And you all kind of know maybe the difference between some of those And we looked at this idea of how we need people to grow and God uses people to grow. That's why we believe so firmly in what we call small groups around here. We just believe that life, like growth and change and all that kind of stuff happens better in circles than it does in rows. Now, you all look great here tonight. I'm glad you're all sitting perfectly and neatly in your rows, right? But like, this is great, but this is all going to be done in an hour. Real life, real transformation, real growth happens best when we huddle up in circles and we share the good, the bad, the ugly with each other, right? I mean, that's, that's where life and growth and change happens. So we looked at that the second week. It's why we do small groups around here. And then the third week, we looked at this whole deal of what our responsibility is in our growth. Because there's things that only God can do that we can never do, but then there's things that only we can do that God lovingly allows not to do. And so that he's entrusted us or taken, given us the opportunity to take responsibility with our life. So we talked about spiritual disciplines. And for many of us, we took some of the first steps towards spiritual disciplines of solitude, of like turning everything off and going away and being alone with God and walking into that scary, deafening silence and finding God in that peace and that space. For some of us, it meant that we opened God's word and we took his word seriously. We read through the book of James together that week. And for some of us, for the first time maybe for you, you took a Sabbath, like this ancient biblical custom where God like encourages you to chill, like to rest, to be still. And so we took responsibility to do what only we could do with our growth. And last week, Jeannie did an amazing job of leading us through how God uses our pain to grow us. The very things that we want to delete are the things that God is longing to complete. And Jeannie led us through a great reflection of moving from that question of why, which we all have. Why this? And why did that happen? And why did this happen? And why did she do this? And why did he do this? We all have our why questions, but to move in maturity and growth is to begin to say, what? 
Okay, God, what do you want to do through that? Still hurt, still real, but what might you want to do to grow me through this pain? So we've been on an incredible journey of exploring what it means to really grow as a church. And we believe that around here, that growth is normal. That everyone around here at Soul City Church is accepted. Everyone is accepted. But we're all expected to what? To grow. We're all expected to grow. So everyone is accepted, but everyone is expected to grow. And so tonight we're going to look at sort of where all this growth is supposed to point to. Like what is the point of all this internal work, all this growth that God has created you for and longs to do in you, what does that look like? Tonight we're going to look at this idea of what Jesus referenced in John 15 of spiritual fruit, right? Because that's the whole point of why you like plant a flower or you plant a tree. And many of you planted our little soul city plants, those little, you know, things that grew up and then got weird and started growing down the side of your dresser. Like, and then Jeannie tried to hold ours up with a pencil and within five minutes, that thing died and withered. And like, I think I heard it cry. I don't know exactly what happened. So like the whole point of that is to see a flower. The whole point of planting a tree is to have fruit. Like there is something that it actually offers us that we are able to partake of and enjoy, right? That's sort of the point of growth. What fruit is that we're going to look at tonight is what growth looks like in public. Fruit is what growth looks like in public. It is the outward expression of inward transformation, So as God is growing and transforming me on the inside, there should be an outward expression of fruit. That is the point of growth. And so we're going to explore at what is it that that people see in us when they look at us? What is it that people see in you when they look at you? What is the fruit? Because we're all growing fruit of some nature or another. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. And we want to invite God into that so that we can bear much fruit and good fruit that we can actually offer to this world to make a difference. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to look at a specific passage. But before we get to that, I want you to think about this idea of what do people see in you when they look at you? And I'm going to have you turn and talk to someone here next to you. And I'm only telling you that now because there's some introverts in the room that literally just freaked out. They just just lost their breath for a second because I said talk to someone and that freaked you out. But I want you to stay with me. I want you to talk to someone next to you, and I want you to tell them, what's one word that people use to describe you? I want you to think about that, right? One word that people use to describe you. Now, it can be good, it can be bad, it can be funny, it can be annoying, but it has to be like what they would say, okay? What do people say when they talk about you, if they were to talk about you, if there was a Yelp review of you, what would it say? All right? So honestly, everyone has to talk to someone, so make sure you say hello and what their name is. One word. That's all you get. Extroverts. Let me say this again. One word. Okay? One word is all you get. All right. So go ahead. You have 64 seconds to turn to the person next to you. What is the one word that people would use to describe you? Everyone talk to someone. All right, so just by show of hands, how many for you, how many for you that was hard to do? That was kind of a hard thing to to do. It's hard to narrow down how awesome you are, isn't it? It's hard to just get it down to one word. How many for you that was just super easy, like it just came right to you? Yeah, yeah, your word probably wasn't humble, but that's all right. That's okay. That's okay, because you just know. You kind of know what people think of you. You know what your reputation is out there. All right, so that was a good little interaction, okay? That was a good little interaction to talk to each other. Here's the next thing. We're not going to share this with each other. Let's Let's categorize this more as a reflection, right? So you don't have to share this with anyone else, but I do want you to think about this personally. So if that's what people say about you, if you were to ask them, and if you were to ask people what they say about me, I'll, I mean, I'll be real honest with you, there's, 
when, you know, you ask people, tell me about Jarrett, there's the obvious ones, handsome, intelligent, <laughs> well-dressed. Like, there's, there's, there's a lot of those answers, right? Those are easy. But the one I've heard my whole life um, is funny, right? People have told me since I was a little kid, oh, you're so funny, or oh, you're so fun, or you're so funny. And there's part of that that's really great, right? Because sometimes I am. Like, sometimes it actually works, and I am funny, and that can bring, like, joy or light to a room. And so I like that. But there's been times, many times, and I remember early on as a kid going, yeah, but I'm not just that. Like, I'm not just, like, oh, that's great. I love that y'all think I'm funny, and that's, that's fun for a moment. But I'm, there's, there's more to me than that. And so the thing I want you to reflect on right now is, what do you want people to say about you? So we just talked about what they do say about you, and if they had to describe you in a word, what they'd say. What do you want them to say about you? What might be some words that you would want to be true of you that would instantly roll off the tongues of the friends of people in your life? That when you say, oh, you know, do you know Julie? Oh, yeah, I know. She is so this. She is so loving. She's so kind. Do you know Greg? Of course I know Greg. That guy's the most generous guy. Or he, has, he is so wise. That guy always knows exactly what to say at exactly the right time. There's the things that people do say about this, but inside, there's those things we really want them to say, that we want to be true of our lives, don't we? And tonight, we're going to look at something that God longs to be true of you. What God sees in you and longs to be true of you, that he, that rolls off of his tongue when your name is uttered and mentioned. And for those of you who like lists, we got a list tonight. Right? We don't do a lot of lists around here at Soul City. We got a list tonight, so list people rejoice. We're going to look at a list in the Bible. While it's not exhaustive, it gives us a glimpse of what this um, outward expression of inward transformation looks like. We're going to look, a list of, look at a list of characteristics and qualities that um, when people look at us, we want them to see this in us, okay? So if, uh, I was going to say if you have a Bible, but you do. Right in front of you, there's one of these. Grab one. We're going to open to um, Galatians chapter 5, and it's on page 1078 of this blue Bible. And if you don't have one of these blue Bibles, I have no idea what page number it is. But in the blue Bibles, 1078, we say this all the time. Listen, and hear me very clearly on this because this has been a gift to our church if you do not own a Bible, if you do not own a Bible, uh, this is your Bible now. You get to take it home and write your name in it, write in it, underline it, draw pictures in it tonight if you want. This is your Bible, okay? So if you don't own one, this is our gift to you. You get to steal a Bible from church tonight. That's a double whammy, and it's going to feel so good. So Galatians 5, we're going to look at this idea, this list of what outward fruit looks like. And Paul, in this letter to the church, uh, uh, Galatia, is, he's speaking to these folks who were a young church like our church, and they'd started, they'd grown very quickly, but they were also very quickly forgetting what their church was meant to be built on. They were forgetting the teachings and the way of Jesus. They were getting kind of lost in the sea of their culture and approval from their culture, and so they were slipping, and they were, uh, Paul goes into great length in the beginning of this part of the letter to his friends at this church, explaining to them what this other kind of fruit looks like, right? We're going to talk about good fruit tonight. He's explaining to them what bad fruit looks like and what it looks like when we're left to ourselves. And Paul is incredibly specific, and he pulls no punches to say, this is what happens outside of God. This is what happens when we're left to ourselves. But then we come to Galatians 5, 22, 
And Paul says these words. He says, but, so this is in contrast to those sort of fruits of the flesh or fruits of sin, what happens when we're left to ourselves. He says in Galatians 5.22, and I want to have you all read with me, right? Because I, I, I want to know that you are reading this together so you can read from your Bible, you can read from the screen, but let's read these words together and look at what this fruit looks like. Let's read together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You, you don't have to sort of regulate. You don't have to sort of watch or guard or guide against this kind of fruit because when this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, when these things are alive and at work in you, look out because this is the outward expression of inward transformation. This is what life looks like and what growth looks like in public. This is what God created you for. This is the point of growth, that you bear this kind of fruit, that you have these things growing. And there are many more. Like I said, this list isn't exhaustive, but Paul's painting a picture. These are the types of things that you long to be said of you, don't you? That you are a loving person, a kind person, a patient person. We all long for that to be true of us. So how do we get there? And how do we even know if we're actually anywhere close, if we're getting anywhere close to any of these things? Well, you know at Soul City, we take very seriously uh, making what is a spiritual process as practical and helpful as possible. And so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to do a little fruit inspection, like border, like your like firearms and fruit. Like we're going to check for you right now for that kind of stuff. We're going to look at where is opportunities for growth in our life and where are places where God actually is growing us. So again, reach right in front of you. There's a little white piece of paper right in front of you uh, in the back of that seat folder. And it should say fruit inspection on there. We're going to spend a few moments going through this and looking at and exploring what this kind of fruit looks like. We're going to break down what we just looked at in Galatians 5.22, and we're going to look at it in our own lives. We're not going to look at it at a safe distance from sitting in a chair in church. We're going to explore our own lives and our own soul and invite God into that to say, okay, where, where are things at, God, when it comes to this fruit of the Spirit, this outward expression of inward transformation? All right, and I'm deeply indebted to John Orberg and to Dallas Willard and to many other authors, writers, pastors, and thinkers who have like, dove in deep to this concept of the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul describes it. And so we're going to lean in and dive in deep right now and explore our own lives and see where God is at work. Let's walk through some of these together. I want to walk through these right now. We'll start with love. And we have, you can see on there, a scale that goes from one to five. So five would be you are the picture of this attribute. We should have your picture up all over this church, which is that word written over there. So this is like five is I've got this dialed in. Thank you very much. I'll preach the sermon on this one, okay? That's you, right? And then number one is not so much, okay? And so like one is not so much, five is I got this. And so let's figure out sort of where we're at. When we look at specifically this fruit of love, I want to ask you a couple questions as you evaluate sort of where things are honestly at, not where you want them to be at, but where they're honestly at right now. When it comes to this idea of love, here's a question. How tender is your heart? How tender is your heart towards God right now? How tender is your heart towards God? How tender is your heart towards others right now in this season? Do you find yourself 
sort of habitually acting in secret acts of servanthood, where you are serving other people without them maybe even knowing it, where you're giving to others out of that sort of deep love in your heart. On the flip side, do you have a uh, more of a critical or cynical or a judgmental spirit? When you look at folks, when you interact with folks, when you talk to folks, is your heart more cynical, critical, judgmental? I want you to think for a second and kind of put yourself down there on that scale. How are you doing when it comes to love being an outward expression of growth in your life right now? So go ahead, give yourself a little number there. We'll keep moving on. Joy is the next one. So I want you to think about what is your current irritability factor right now? Like, how much are you just sort of on edge or bugged by things around you right now? That has effect on where joy is at. Are you more inclined to speak words of complaint or of gratitude? All right, are you finding yourself complaining about things more, specifically the weather in Chicago? Or are you looking and finding yourself being more grateful about things? How often did you laugh this last week? How often did you just have fun? What did you do this last week that you took initiative or you led or you were a part of just having fun? What about when times are really stressful or tense? Are you able to choose joy even when the pressure's on and you're feeling anxious or stressed all around you? Do you find yourself even right now trying to rationalize a lack of joy in your life? Go ahead and give yourself a number there. Just kind of be real honest about where things are at. We'll move on to the next one. Peace. So this one, when it comes to peace, it's a big kind of concept, but let's get real specific about it. How much in this exact moment, in this season, is your heart and your mind and your soul at rest with God? So stress, life, friends, family, everything around you, how much is your heart, your soul, your mind at rest in God? Have you taken a Sabbath lately and stopped and rested and trusted that God will take care of the world, not you? That shows signs of being at peace. How consistently are you troubled or anxious or stressed or worried about things that are well beyond your control? Stressed about being late to this or missing this? You're constantly, your thoughts are occupied about all the things that could go wrong. Would people who know you describe you as someone who's contented or discontented? Why don't you go ahead and give yourself sort of a number of where you're at when it comes to peace. Let's move on. Patience. How do you respond when things don't go your way? How do you respond to that? Or how do you respond to people who don't do it your way? They all just do it that other way. It's not your way. It's not as fast as you like it. It's not the way you do it. It may be your spouse, the way that they fold the laundry. It literally makes you want to throw every piece of laundry at them. Like, no, you try fold the towel. How many times have I walked you through this, right? Like, think about that. Like, how is that level of patience working itself out in your life right now? Are you able to wait graciously and gracefully? So when people aren't doing it your way, can you extend grace to them in that? Even gratitude to them in that for them doing it their way on their time, their schedule. How are you doing when it comes to this whole idea of being, uh, waiting upon God in his time? 
Because there's things that you want to do in your life and you want to see things happen and it's not happening on your schedule. How are you doing when it comes to that? I want you to go ahead and give yourself a number when it comes to patience. And just a word, if you've already moved down and filled in the rest of yours, go back to patience and give yourself a one. Okay? Because let me just say that. You're clearly lacking a little patience. I can help you with that. All right? Okay, good. I'm just calling. I'm just calling him like I see him. All right, kindness. How inclined are you towards lending someone a hand, even though you're busy, even though you don't have time for it, even though maybe you can't afford it? I want you to think about the last week, last month. How have you extended grace or kindness to a stranger who could give you nothing in return? When you see folks who have less than you or who are from a different cultural background than you, what's your first thought in your mind? What are some of the first words that come to your mouth? How are you doing at encouraging and affirming people around you? Would people around you, the people you work with that work with you on a regular basis, say and use that word that, yeah, this person is kind. They have words that are actually sweet and kind and thoughtful and encouraging. Go ahead and give yourself a number there for kindness. In a similar vein, moving on to generosity. Next one. What portion of your time and material resources are you actually giving, not just wanting to give? So think about this last week, this last month, how are you actually responding and giving back to God or giving away to others? Not what you want to do or feel guilty like you should get around to, but what did you actually do? That'll give you sort of a measure of gratitude and generosity in your life. Do you ever find yourself wanting to give sort of just enough as a culturally acceptable? Like when you're at the restaurant, do you pull out your tip calculator and figure out exactly what 15% is, right? Or do you give more? It's a small little reflection, but it reveals generosity in your heart. Is your heart growing or shrinking when it comes to this idea of generosity? Go ahead and give yourselves a number there. A few more here, last three. Faithfulness. Would people around you say that you are dependable? Would people around you say that your word actually matches your deed? That when you say you're going to do something, you actually do it. It gets done. Do you ever find yourself putting a spin on the truth to cover up for the places that you haven't done what you said you were going to do? To buy time, to save face. Do you ever wrestle with procrastination? Like, if you haven't filled out any of these yet, you might want to just explore that, right? Maybe there's something about faithfulness. So go ahead and give yourselves a number there. Gentleness. How successfully and how regularly do you speak the truth with love? So how often are you speaking the truth to others with love and grace, with right words at the right time? Do you ever get angry and inflict pain on someone just because it feels good to you in that moment? Maybe it's someone you work with, or maybe it's a family member that you know you can just say the right thing to cut them down to size, and in that moment, you feel bigger for a moment. Have you found yourself doing that, or at least thinking that, or wanting to do that? Over the last week, how long have you, or how many times have you come around someone who was hurting to give them comfort, to just be with someone, to go out to coffee, to go out to lunch, to just actually listen when they start telling you their hard story, what's going on, you actually are listening and being present with them. Go ahead and give yourselves a number for gentleness. And then this last one, self-control. 
Just a couple thoughts here. Any sort of uh, lingering bad habits, we'll call them. Any things that you do in the dark that no one else knows about. Anything that you find yourself taking too much of too often because you don't trust that God will be enough. And it could be anything. It could be a drink, smoke, food, work, relationship. You can put anything in there. How are you doing at saying no, not only just to wrong things, but to even good things so that you can say yes to great things, to God things? How are you doing when it comes to self-control? What about the words you use, the jokes you tell, the things you say about people, whether you know them or not, behind their back or even in front of them? When you have an opportunity where everyone's making that conversation, having that joke, having that laugh, what do you do in those moments? Go ahead and give yourselves a a number for self-control. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and sort of look over your little list there, your score. I want you to think about how that looks. Just sit with it for a second. Like, how you, how you feeling right now in this moment? And like, for those of you who are already adding it up, there's, we're, not, this, we're not going for a score here. There's no winner to this thing, right? Because I think what can happen is you can kind of look at this and go like, oh yeah, no, 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 cool. Yeah, I'm a 34. Like, I got this. Like, that's not the point. Right? We're not trying to get a score here. And in fact, I think what can happen in moments like this is you look at this and you see like twos and threes and ones and you're like, this is why I don't go to church. You just gave me another list that tells me how much I'm not getting it right, right? And you can feel guilty and you can feel like shame or frustration or kind of beat yourself up. Listen, here's what I want you to hear very clearly from the heart of God. When it comes to something like this, the goal isn't perfection. That's Jesus's job. He got that one right, actually. The goal isn't perfection, it's transformation. Goal isn't here. God isn't expecting perfection from you. He knows you well enough to know that's never going to happen here on earth. But he does expect transformation. He does expect growth. He does expect fruit. And you should too. You should too. And oftentimes the best place for growth is starting with where you're not at being honest with where things are really at. And looking at something like this and going, okay, okay, there's places to grow. There's opportunities for growth and ultimately in the right time for fruit. You know, this last week I had a couple opportunities uh, where people encouraged me to grow and I wasn't asking them to do it. (laughs) And uh, I have built a reputation for myself of being really bad uh, in response with email uh, and, and phone calls and text messages. <laughs> Pretty much any form of communication where we're not looking at each other, I'm not, I'm not doing well in that area, right? And I lovingly, it's actually been over the last two weeks, I've had a couple friends, you know, kind, some of them kindly, some of them very directly say, I'm having a really hard time hearing back from you. I'm like, no, you're not having a hard time hearing back from you. I'm having a hard time communicating with you. The problem isn't yours, it's mine. My irresponsibility has now become your responsibility. And I lovingly had the opportunity for a couple of friends, and one of them very specifically to go, hey, listen, like, um, if we're friends, we, we don't do this. Like, you get back to me. And it's not like a guilt thing or a pressure thing, but like, that's kind of what friends do. They talk to each other. And I just had a real moment where I felt, you know, kind of ashamed. I felt like the spotlight was on me, like, oh, my gosh. This is one more thing I don't do well. This is one more thing I don't do right. 
And I felt real uh, convicted over the last couple of weeks as a couple friends have kind of pointed that out to me in my life. And I had a real moment there where I could uh, really easily just go, well, you know, that's just, that's just kind of how I am. It's just how it is. And if you want to talk to me, it's a six-month process. <laughs> you know, like, you just need to deal with the reality because I've always kind of been that way. And when I'm in the moment, I'm great. But, like, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I really have a hard time. And I could give you a litany of excuses of why would this doesn't work. And yeah, I'm working, you know, harder. And people will say to me, oh, I know, but you're so busy. I'm like, no, I'm not. We're all busy. So I have no excuse when it comes to that. The reality is, as God has sort of put his finger to my chest when it comes to this area, for me, it comes right back to an opportunity for growth. Do you know what that is? It's faithfulness that's lacking in my life. When someone says, hey, can you get back to me? Or when I say, I will get back to you, you can count on this for me, and I don't, and you don't hear back from me for a week or two, that's a lack of faithfulness on my part. That's an opportunity for me to grow. I can make a bunch of excuses. I can say that's how it's always been. Or I can say, okay, God, there's a fruit of the Spirit called faithfulness. And I'm not there yet. And I can't seem to make it happen on my own. And so I'm going to do what I can do, but God, you have to do in me what only you can do. So that people will say of me, that guy's responsible. That guy is faithful. That guy keeps his word. Because I want you, I want that to be true of me. And I know in your life, there's a couple things right now. As you look down that card, you go, oh, okay, yep. And it may not be email for you. It may be something else. Patience. Self-control, right? Same habit, same addiction, same pattern, same justification, same tried and failed efforts, right? Five, 10, 15 years now, right? We all, every one of us has these opportunities to grow. That's the beautiful thing is God's not expecting perfection, but he does expect transformation, he does expect growth, and he does expect fruit, and I want that to be true of my life, and I know that you do too. I know that you do too, and so for me, when it comes to the email thing, I have this real choice to go, okay, God, what am I willing to do? What am I willing to do, and how am I willing to sort of invite you into this lack of growth or fruit in my life? And so for me, I've had to set up a couple things with God to go, okay, every time I open this up, this little inbox up, I have to say, God, will you help me be responsible, be faithful right now? Will you help me to set up right expectations and to apologize where I need to apologize and to push forward? And God, will you grow this in me? It sounds very practical. It sounds like, dude, just get your to-do list done. But do you see that it's always bigger than just that? It's always bigger than that, isn't it? There's always something else going on that God longs to do and to grow. So what I want you to do is I want you to look back at your list and I want you to think about two or three that I want you to literally circle with your pen right now where you go, you know what, this is mine, okay? If faithfulness is one of the ones that Jared just shared that he wants to see God grow in him, he wants to see that fruit born in his life, what are the two or three in my life right now? Take a second right now and circle those. What would those be? And I want you to think about what sort of the path is to fruit in that regard of Whatever it is that you may have circled, it's going to be different for every one of us, but every one of us is circling some right now. Now, what you can do is you can look at these things. You go, okay, all right, I got to try harder. I got to, I got to, I got to, 
like, you know, step up. I got to do this thing. So what is it? Patience? Okay, I got to work hard at patience, right? I'm going to be the most patient person in the world, right? Like that person is going to be freaky, like annoying. Like anyone working really hard to love, probably not doing so well at it, right? So like you can try and muscle up and push through and get your hustle on and get your work on and like try and be more of these things. Guess what? You are going to exhaust yourself and you are not actually going to experience the life and transformation that God has for you in this. That's a strategy, but I'm here to tell you it's a losing strategy to just work harder and to try harder to be more loving. It's not going to work. You try, you only get so far. There's a better way. And it goes all the way back to the passage that we looked at earlier in this month goes back to John 15. And I want you just to look at these words. Let me read these words to you right now. This is God's strategy for how you actually not only grow, but how you bear fruit. So you think about those two or three that you circled, and you let this become a prayer and truth to you right now. As I read these words from John 15, 1 through 8, listen to what Jesus said. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. We talked about this. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no what? fruit. Stay with us here. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, he cut back so that it'll be even more fruitful, so that I'll even grow more and offer more fruit to the world. Listen to what Jesus says. Against our own best strategies and efforts, no branch can bear fruit by what? Itself. You cannot do this on your own. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says it again, in case you missed it, I am the vine. You are the branches. And if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much what? Fruit, showing yourself, showing the world that you are my disciples. Jesus says it over and over and over and over and over again, John 15. You remain in me, you will bear fruit. You remain connected to me, you will bear fruit. You stay as close as humanly possible to God and you will grow and you will bear fruit. I love the translation, the King James translations, old school. And I love the way that King James uses that word remain. It uses a different word. The word it uses is the word abide. The word is abide. This is a word we don't really use a lot, but it has such deep meaning. Abide, the word means literally to stay in the place of love. To stay in the place of love. To abide, to rest, to stay, to be present, to not move away, to abide, to remain. And I think John Orberg is a, a friend and pastor that I think says it the best. He says this, the more I abide in Jesus, using that old word, the more I abide in Jesus, the more fruit abounds in me. And the more I abide in Jesus, the more I stay in the place of love, the more I stay rooted to him, the more I abide, the more fruit abounds. That's God's strategy for growth and fruit in your life. That's it. You stay as firmly rooted and connected to Jesus as humanly possible, and guess what's going to happen? 
in proximity to him, in relationship with him, walking and living with him, you will grow. You can't help but grow and fruit will flow from your life. No hustling, struggling, striving. It flows and people begin to say about you what God already sees in you. You're patient, you're kind, you're loving, gentle, self-control. All these attributes that perfectly describe Jesus begin to look more and more like who you are. That's what happens when we abide. Fruit abounds. It abounds. It will happen. So the question for you and I to consider, especially as you look at that list and you look at where there's opportunities for growth and fruit in your life is, how am I going to abide this week? How am I going to look at these things and go, okay, it, God, it seems clear to me. It looks like maybe I've grown in this one, but man, these three, I have, I have lost ground. I have a ways to go. So this week, I'm going to get as close to you, and I'm going to be intentional to ask you to grow this in me. And I'm going to look for opportunities for you to grow this in me. What would it look like for you to take and be as present as possible with Jesus, like literally to like take Jesus to work day, like, what, what would, like you know, bring Jesus to work day? What would it look like for you to, to literally go in in the morning and you're in the car or you're on the train or you're on the bus going, okay, Jesus, this person there literally wants to take my peace away from me. They literally rob me of peace and joy or I let them do that. So I'm bringing you with me and I'm going to be as present with you as possible today so that every interaction I have with them or every interaction I have, every mundane thing I do, I'm going to be present with you. At lunch, I'm going to actually bring this Bible that I stole from church, and I'm going to like look at it, read it, engage in it, because I want to be as humanly present with you, because I know when I'm present with you at work, things are going to start to change inside. You're actually going to grow me, and there's going to be fruit that I have to offer these people that I'm around a third of my life. What would it look like for you to be as present as possible with Jesus in the circle of your friends and relationships? And it's easy to sort of keep our friends at surface level and to only let them in so deep to our life when the reality is there is an iceberg of depth underneath the water that we never, very rarely let our friends into. What would it look like for you to say, okay, Jesus, be present with me with these friends? Because it'd be really easy for us to talk about the game. It'd be really easy for us to just go see a movie. It'd be really easy for us just to go out drinking. I want more than that in my life and more from these friends and these relationships in my life. So Jesus, will you be present with me in these relationships? And would you possibly could it be you could transform me and us by being present with me in the context of these friends what would that look like seriously this week and watch how God begins to grow these things inside of you in seasons in his time at home when you're alone what would it look like to be fully present with Jesus at home when you're with your spouse you're with your kids, you invite Jesus into that space instead of just becoming roommates with this person that you were once madly in love with. You invite Jesus into this relationship and say, Jesus, how do you want to transform me, us? How do you want to transform these little ones, these kids? How do you want to transform my relationship with my roommates? The reality is, when we use these words, we, we want to invite Jesus into all these areas of our life. You know what the reality is? He's already there. And so what you're doing is inviting yourself into his presence. And you're saying, I'm choosing to be present with you because the closer I am to you, the more I will grow 
and the more fruit will flow from my life. Agreed? That's what we're about here at this church. That's what we are committed to at this church. So here's what we want you to do. The band's gonna come up. We're gonna spend some time reflecting and saying words that we believe to be true about God. I want you to take that white card and there's space for you to write a prayer at the bottom. And I want you to take a moment and just write out to God specifically how in this season, this week, are you going to commit yourself to abiding in him so that fruit abounds in you and through you? That you would say, that you would literally write out very specifically, very clearly, okay, Jesus, when it comes to this, I know this week, I gotta be present with you when it comes to my coworkers. I gotta be present to you, with you when it comes to just my rest, when I have downtime, because all I wanna do is watch SportsCenter for five hours and see the same highlights every 45 minutes. Like, I actually wanted to choose to be present with you and see how, what like might change by being present and in proximity and staying in the place of love where you are. What would that be? I want you to take a second right now and write that out. In a moment, I'm gonna pray for us and pray that this would be true of us, that God would not only bear fruit in your life, but through this church, Soul City Church. So take a few seconds right now to write that out, and then I'm gonna pray for us in just a minute. Go ahead, take those uh, pens, papers right now. Take this moment. God, we pray that these things would be true of our lives, that that when the world looks at us, they see you in us and through us. And that as we grow and as you grow us and fruit is born in us in the right season, in your time, in your way, that what they would see in us is what you already saw in us, and that is you in us. And we thank you that this is possible in relationship with you, that it's what you created us for. And God, we want to make a difference. We want to change. We want to grow. We want to offer others something that is good and is needed. We want to offer fruit of hope and of freedom and of life to others. We want to experience that and need to experience that as well. And God, we long to offer that to others. And so we pray, God, that you would do this in us and through us as we commit to staying present with you, to inviting ourselves into your presence wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And so we do that even now, God. We come into your presence, into the place where you already are, into the place where your strong love has already surrounded us and meets us here now. And God, we know that when we come into your presence, transformation is not only possible, it's expected. And it will happen by your power in our lives through us, God. And so we pray that would happen now. We pray that we would see that in our lives, God, in these specific ways that we wrote down and in and through this church, that when this neighborhood thinks of this church, the words that come out of their mouth are kind, loving, patient, joy-filled, generous, 
peaceful, God, that, that would be true of our church in this neighborhood and in this city, God. That is why you have put us here. That is our desire, God. And we know that that can only happen in and through you. So we pray, God, we pray that will. We choose to abide in you as a church, to be in the place of love with you. That's where we are right now with you, God. And we expect and we are excited to meet you here in this time. It's in your name that we pray and that we have any chance of ever growing. Amen. Well, we're going to take the next few moments to worship, to sing. We're also going to receive an offering. This is one of the things we do every week here. What this time of giving is, is just that. It's a time of saying thanks back to God, literally. If you're a guest here with us, like, it's not for you. It's for those of us who said, you know what, I'm in. I'm in relationship with God. He's my Father. This is my church. And I know that these resources in my life are a gift from Him. And so this is really about gratitude. This is really about acknowledging where this stuff comes from and releasing its control in our life and saying, God, do more with this than I ever could. Do more with this than I ever could. God, bear fruit with this little gift, with this little giving back to you time. So we're going to receive that here as the band leads us in worship and we're connect and engage with our Father who loves us, who created us and desires for every one of us to grow and bear fruit.